you're listening to the Primary Medicine Podcast with Kevin and Dimitri, bringing you the best in primary care CME that you can use in your everyday practice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Primary Medicine Podcast. On this week, it's just going to be me, and I'll talk about something called pruritus. It can be defined as the subjective sensation of itching. It's a common presentation in the clinic, and it can be quite challenging for a couple of reasons. First of all, the differential is broad, especially when you're doing with dealing with dealing with generalized pruritus. Secondly, it's often true that the patient coming to your office is suffering quite a bit. It, just this intense itching can cause them to lose sleep. They can be quite anxious, so they're looking for a solution. And they're looking for it quickly, which can put some pressure on you, especially if you don't have the diagnosis right on that day. So again, it's important to have an approach so the patient can be helped as fast as possible. Remember that the most the most common cause of pruritus is histamine release, aka an allergic type reaction. That one will respond to antihistamines. So patients are lucky if that's the cause of their pruritus, but that's not the only cause. There are other causes, such as serotonin leukotrienes and neuropeptides. Generally, the way you want to approach pruritus is to divide the differential into two categories. Category number one is your dermatological causes. And category number two are your systemic causes, which can be quite tricky and unfortunately tend to not respond to treatments or imperfect treatments as well. So really the first thing you want to know is, is there a lesion on their body or not? And if there is, then well, likely you're doing something dermatological, although that's not always the case. So what is, should your history include? In? It should include really an exposure questionnaire. You need to have a very good, take a very good exposure history. And the way I like to do this is I like to divide the exposure history into six categories. Category number one. I ask them whether they've, they've taken any new drugs. Remember that antibiotics are notorious for causing rashes, whether it's a drug eruption or an actual allergy. Things like aspirin and other NSAIDs, and also seizure medications such as lamotrigine can lead to rashes, but any new medicines can be can cause a rash. That's simple as that. Category number two is new cosmetics or new detergents. Um, this can often cause contact dermatitis. They can cause urticaria. They can even cause photodermatitis if, if there, if there's exposure to the sun. It can cause actually burning of the skin. Dermatitis. Certain detergents and cosmetics can do that. So again, I ask them, did you change your soap? Did you buy any new, any new, uh, powder for your face or a new cream for your face? Category number three is travel. Remember when, you, when you're traveling, often they're exposed to new foods, which can cause urticaria or even photodermatitis, but also they're exposed to infestations such as scabies or even lice. And they, don't, they don't need necessarily to be traveling very far. In certain hotels in Canada, if you stay in them, well, they have scabies. You can get a scabies attack. One of my friends um, had visited me in a, you know, a nice hotel in Hamilton and came back with scabies. So that's number three. Number four is you ask them whether they're exposed to any animals, whether they bought animals, new animals, or they they saw new animals, or they petted animals. Um, animals have fleas. Animals also have dander, which can cause an allergic reaction. 
category number five is you ask them about their occupation. Specifically, do they work with solvents? Remember that solvents very commonly will cause eczema or exacerbate eczema if they if they are prone to, to it. And chronic exposure to solvents dries the skin and causes a condition called xerosis, which is just dry skin, chronically dry skin. That's extremely itchy. And the last category is any infectious exposures. Think about things such as strep, which can cause scarlet fever. Less common in adults. Things like varicella. That's one of those itchy rashes and rubeola. So again, on history, you want to have a very good exposure history. You want to take a very good exposure history. You need to ask about drugs, cosmetics, travel, animal exposure, occupational exposure, any, any infectious exposure. And I often press, I often ask them multiple times about them because sometimes they don't remember. And then if you keep pressing them, are you sure you, you weren't exposed to anything? What did you eat that day? What did you do that day? They'll say, oh, you know what, doctor? I remember now. I, my, my kid spilled bleach all over my face or something like, something like that. So that's, that's your first category in your history. Then, if you're worried about a systemic cause, you need to ask about systemic causes. What are the most common causes of systemic pruritus? Well, one is thyroid disorders. So you ultimately, you would ask the patient whether they experienced any weight change, whether they have a menstrual irregularity, or any heat or cold intolerance. Another big category is pregnancy. Pregnancy has its own set of you know, unfortunate causes of pruritus. But if they're pregnant, you need to consider those. Another cause is kidney and liver disease, right? So you might ask them about, well, are you having any malaise? Are you feeling nauseous? Have you vomited? Have you noticed that your output of urine has decreased? Do you know if, that, if you have any liver disease? Do you know if you have any kidney disease? Diabetes can cause it as well, especially because it can lead to neuropathy. So neuropathy can cause pruritus. And finally, the, the, the one big badness that you don't want to miss is cancer. Lymphoma often causes pruritus. So you need to ask about the so-called B symptoms. Again, weight loss, chills, night sweats, loss of appetite, so on and so forth. Generally, if a person over the age of 65 comes in to your office with generalized pruritus, you're dealing with something bad. And both of the cases I had recently, and one of the reasons why I'm doing this presentation, they end up being something bad. I had one case, this lady who I think was in her early, late 60s, so maybe 67, came in and whole body itchy. She was actually scratching herself in my office. She was yellow as a beet. Actually, beets aren't yellow. <laughs> she was yellow as a banana. And her eyes were yellow. So th that was pretty obviously something to do with the liver. It ended up being pancreatic cancer that had metastasized the liver. So again, really bad. And the second case, which was more a little bit more recent, was this gentleman who actually, interestingly enough, did have a rash, but uh, no exposure to his history. The rash itself was not responding to any empiric treatment. So I did the systemic workup, and uh, he ended up having cutaneous T-cell lymphoma. So a lymphoma that ends up being having both the pruritic component and the dermatological component. I should say both the systemic component and the dermatological component. So let's go through better uh, some differential 
some differentials here. Let's start with the dermatological cause of pruritus. So that one of the most common causes is xerosis. So again, this is dry skin. You're looking at dry, scaly skin. Usually you see it in the lower extremities and in the axillary creases. And often it will happen in winter, especially in Canada with our dry winters. People who bathe often, people who are exposed to solvents, as I mentioned, people who use a very hot water when bathing as well, they are at risk. Your second thing you need to consider, uh, very common, is contact dermatitis. So it's a rash that's caused by direct skin exposure to a certain substance. So again, a solvent can cause this. And everybody will get contact dermatitis. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people end up having that once in their life. And I think the prevalence is around 30%. It can be very periodic. can be caused by by multiple different types of allergens, irritants, and it's usually seen in people who are working and are exposed to solvents and other materials. And then you have the other dermatitis, which is very common, which is atopic dermatitis. So we've all seen it, extremely common condition, especially in younger younger children, but also in parents. You're looking at these this chronic inflammatory skin disease. Uh, you know, it, patients often have family history of A2P or asthma. Asthma. If you look at their skin, you often find multiple excoriations, weeping lesions, lichenification, and some pigment changes that are that are apparent. Later on, if this is not treated, they may have hyperpigmentation as well. Okay, so you have atopic dermatitis. Next one I want to talk about is urticaria or hives. Very common. Uh, again something like 25% prevalence. So the wheel is, is pretty much, if you see a wheel, it's your care you're dealing with most of the time. The good thing about your care is it's easy to treat steroids and histamines. And usually those work very well. Okay, so these are some, so I've talked about dermatitis, urticary, xerosis. Let's talk about some, some, some infestations. So scabies, uh, this is a, it, I've talked about scabies, actually. We have a podcast on it, so I don't want to spend too much time on it, but it's extremely pruritic. So you do have primary lesions, no, very small erythematous papules. Uh, you have the, the, the breakfast, lunch, and dinner uh, you know, configuration. And if you can see these tiny burrows in, in the intertiginous regions, then it's pretty much a diagnostic of scabies. But they're hard to find. Continuing with the theme of infestations, the next one is lice, also known as pediculosis. We have a bit of a, you know, if you have kids, you probably have a lice care sometimes in your life. And in this case, you're actually, so in scabies, this, you're reacting to the eggs. In lice, what you're reacting to is actually the saliva. It's a hypersensitivity, almost like a contact dermatitis, but it's delayed hypersensitivity to the saliva of the louse. You can actually diagnose this by using a, a loop. So I bought myself a loop. A loop is a, is a good idea for any primary physician taking a look for any eggs. And you would look at the hair. Um, remember that lice are also sexually, sexually transmitted, so you can find pubic lice as well. So any type of hairy region can be lice-related. Now a couple of more esoteric 
uh, causes or rare causes of of pruritus, and one of them is uh, lichen simplex chronicus. Uh, this is your, you know, your thickened lichenified violaceous patches, and they're very, 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 very itchy. Um, so there's lots of scoriations related, and the problem is that the more they scratch, uh, the more those lesions get thick, and the more they itch, and the more they scratch. So you have to treat that appropriately. Then you have something called bullous pamphigoid, which is sort of the big badness of the dermatological cause of pruritus. This is a, as you know, an immune-mediated reaction where the skin is attacked by your own body. And what happens, initially you have these urticarial lesions, extremely itchy, that often break into they often will break into into these bubuli, and this is a pretty much a dermatological urgency. They need a dermatologist to get the treatment because you can get infections. And the last thing I want to mention in terms of dermatological cause, and this is again not an extensive differential, but your zebra out there is something called dermatitis herpetiformis. This is a vesicular dermatitis. Usually it's affecting the lumbosacral spine, the elbows or knees. And the thing you need to remember about this is associated with celiacs. It's rare. It's a zebra, but it's a good idea. It's, it's good to know about it. So we've talked about dermatological causes. Now let's talk about some of the systemic causes. Number one, chronic renal disease. More than 50% of patients with chronic renal disease and most patients on dialysis, I think up to 80 to 90 percent of patients on dialysis will have pruritus. It is often generalized, but sometimes you can localize it to the back. Not uh, really easy to treat, unfortunately. Liver disease. That's what my lady had. One of my ladies, which ended unfortunately having pancreatic cancer, you have bile secretion impairment. So the body can't secrete bile anymore. Well, you have deposits of bile it's to go somewhere, and it can cause intense itching so anything that has gone wrong anything that has gone wrong with with the liver with the, the bile secretion of the liver can cause very intense itching number three malignancy that's the big badness out there among all the cancers the one that most often causes hot causes itching generalized itching is hodgkin's lymphoma up to th one in three people with Hodgkin's lymphoma will end up um, with pruritus. In fact, pruritus can sometimes precede the clinical presentation. So if there's one thing to remember from this whole talk, this whole presentation, is if you're dealing with generalized pruritus without a dermatological lesion, you need to rule out Hodgkin's lymphoma. Okay? So you need to rule that out. Next, I think that's number four. Any type of peripheral central nervous system lesion can, can cause pruritus, including multiple sclerosis, neuropathy caused by diabetes, compression of the nerve, or irritation in the nerve, something called, which is an example of this, would be something called notalgia parastatica, which interestingly enough presents with a lesion as well, but it's a neurological problem. And finally, pregnancy. So as you know, pregnancy has many, many different causes for, um, different related dermatoses that I don't want to necessarily go through right now, but uh, 
there's some dangerous ones and there's some less dangerous ones. And if a pregnant lady comes in complaining of an itch, and I'll probably talk about this later on, because you need to know what's happening, okay? So, now that I've talked about a differential, and it's not an extensive one, but I think it's one that is easy to remember, let's talk about diagnosis. Diagnosis is clinical unless it isn't. So, oftentimes, if, especially if it's a dermatological condition, or in the case of my lady, a systemic condition where she's completely yellow, so you know the liver's gone, you may end up doing a clinical diagnosis. Sometimes you may not be, especially when you're dealing with no rash. In this case, I really suggest, if you're not sure what you're dealing with, to do initial testing. I wouldn't wait. F I would do it on the first appointment. Again, because remember, this patient is suffering. They're itchy. They're probably not sleeping. So you need to do a CBC and an LDH. You're looking at the blood. You're looking at any malignancies in the blood. Okay. Next, you need to check the kidneys. So a sodium, potassium, creatinine, BUN if you want. Next, you want to look at the, at the liver. So bilirubin, your AST, your ALT, your GGT, AOP, and, and amylase. Here we go. You may want to add Hep B or Hep C if the person has travel risk and hasn't been vaccinated for Hep B. Done. Next, thyroid, TSH. You may want to add a, uh, a fasting blood glucose or an HbA1c if you suspect diabetes and some kind of neuropathy there. Consider HIV and syphilis. They can also present with pruritus if it's appropriate, but certainly the CBC should be done, the kidneys should be checked, and the liver should be checked, and the thyroid, if anything, those should be done. If, you, if you're not sure what you're dealing with and there is a rash, you can, remember, you can culture it, you can do scrapings. If ultimately all these tests are negative, you don't know what you're dealing with, you refer to derm, and you can do a biopsy if there's a rash. There isn't, you may want to refer to internal medicine. So again, treatment is mostly based on the condition that's causing it, so it's not universal, but there's a couple of things you can do empirically before you know specifically what you're dealing with. Trying second-generation histamines, such as Claritin, or the generic name being Loratadine, is a good idea. If you want them to sleep, you can try the first generation, such as Benadryl, because it tires them out, so it sort of has a beneficial effect of getting to sleep and removing the itch. You need to tell them to take short baths and try to use cool water. In general, cool, the application of cold things to the skin will lead to less itching. Warmth will lead to increased itching. So you want to use cool baths. You may want to even put cool water towels on the areas of most itching. You want to moisturize heavily after a bath. Make sure that the house itself is moisturized. You want to make sure that the house is humid over 40%, especially in the Canadian winter. And another way you can simulate coolness without actually applying cold towels on your face or your body is you can prescribe them a, a, a formulation of 0.25% mantel and 0.5% camphor. You need to prescribe it from a compounding pharmacy, but this cools the skin or the, the skin thinks it's being cooled by this. And it's quite effective in decreasing itching. I remember I had, a, when I was doing my residency in Hamilton, we had a dermatological doctor who would always prescribe my mental and camphor for OHs, itches. And it often works. You just need a compounding pharmacy, they will do it for you. Obviously, when you discover the cause of the itch, then you treat that the cause of the itch. Okay? So let me just summarize. Common 
presentation very frustrating for the patient, so you need to try and discover the cause and treat it as soon as possible. But generally looking at two big broad categories, dermatological causes and systemic causes. Causes you need to get a very, a very thorough exposure history, which should include new drugs. So the big number one, new cosmetics or detergents, travel history, new animals, occupational exposures and any infection exposures. If you think it's systemic cause, you need to look for thyroid, for symptoms of thyroid disorder, symptoms of blood cancer, specifically lymphoma, symptoms of diabetes, liver, kidney disease, and symptoms of pregnancy. Diagnosis is clinical, unless it isn't. <laughs> if it isn't, you should really consider doing blood work, and I even would do it in the first appointment if you don't know what you're dealing with. That should cons and it should be a CBC and LDH, so for blood, sodium, potassium, creatinine. Then you do liver testing, thyroid, consider some HIV and syphilis testing as well. Remember, you can always do cultures or scrapings if you look at a lesion and you're not quite sure what you're dealing with. You need to remember one thing is that, unfortunately, itching, it could be precursor to cancer, especially blood cancer. So these, especially your older patients, need to be worked out thoroughly. You need to figure, prove to yourself that it's not cancer in those older patients. So in both of my recent cases of this, it ended up being cancer. Anyways, I hope this was helpful. And we'll talk again in a month.